Chapter Thirty Six of Our Vanishing Wildlife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Vanishing Wildlife by William T. Hornaday. Chapter Thirty Six. National and State Game Preserves and Bird Refuges. Out west there is said to be a feeling that game and forest conservation has gone far enough. In Montana, particularly, the National Wool Growers Association has for some time been firmly convinced that the time has come to call a halt. Oh, yes, a halt on the conservation of game and forests, but not on the free grazing of sheep on the public domain. No, not even while those same sheep are busily growing wool that is so fearfully and wonderfully conserved by a sky-high tariff that the truly poor Americans are forced to wear garments made of shoddy because they cannot afford to buy clothing made of wool. This is the testimony of a responsible clothing merchant in 1912. We can readily understand the new hue and cry against conservation that the sheepmen now are raising. Of course they are against all new game and forest reserves, unless the woolly hordes are given the right to graze in them. Many men of the Great West, the West beyond the Great Plains, are afflicted with a desire to do as they please with the natural resources of that region. That is the great curse that today rests upon our game. When the nearest game warden is fifty miles away, and big game is only five miles away, it is time for that game to take to the tall timber. But in the west and east and south there are many men and women who believe in reasonable conservation and deplore destruction. We have not by any means reached the point where we can think of stopping in the making of game preserves or forest preserves. Of the former we have scarcely begun to make. The majority of the states of our Union know of state game preserves only by hearsay. But the time is coming when the states will come forward and perform the serious duty that they neglect today. Let the statesmen of America be not afraid of making too many game preserves, for the next year one per day would be none too many. Remember that on one hand we have the army of destruction, and on the other the expectant millions of posterity. No executor or trustee ever erred in safeguarding an estate too carefully. Fifty years hence, if your successors and mine find that too much land has been set aside for the good of the people, they can mighty easily restore any surplus to the public domain, and at a vastly increased valuation. Give posterity at least one chance to debate the question, were our forefathers too liberal in the making of game and forest reserves? We can always carve up any useless surplus of the public domain and restore it to commercial uses, but none of the men of to-day will live long enough to see so strange a proceeding carried into effect. The game preserves of the United States government are so small, with the exception of the Yellowstone and Glacier Parks, that very few people ever hear of them, and fewer still know of them in detail. It seems to be quite time that they should be set forth categorically, and it is most earnestly to be hoped that this list soon will be doubled. THE YELLOWSTONE NATIONAL PARK this was the first of the national parks and game preserves of the United States. Some of our game preserves are not exactly national parks, but this is both, by act of Congress. It is sixty-two miles long from north to south, fifty-four miles wide, and contains a total area of 3,348 square miles, or 2,142,720 acres. Its western border lies in Idaho, and along its northern border a narrow strip lies in Montana. It is under the jurisdiction of the Secretary of the Interior, and it is guarded by a detachment of cavalry from the United States Army. The superintendent is now a commissioned officer of the United States Army. 
The business of protecting the game is performed partly by four scouts, who are civilians specially engaged for that purpose, but the number has always been totally inadequate to the work to be performed. At least one half of the public interest attaching to the Yellowstone Park is based upon its wild animals. There the average visitor sees, for the first time, wild mountain sheep, antelope, mule deer, elk, grizzly bears, and white pelicans roaming free. But for the tragedy of the park bison herd, slaughtered by poachers from 1890 to 1893, from 300 head down to 30, visitors would see wild bison also, but now the few wild bison remaining keep as far as possible from the routes of tourist travel. The bison were slaughtered through an inadequate protective force, and then utterly inadequate laws. Lieutenant Colonel L. M. Brett, USA, Superintendent of the Yellowstone Park, advises me, July 29, 1912, that the wild big game in the Yellowstone Park in the summer of 1912 is as shown below, based on actual counts and estimates of the park scouts, and particularly Scout McBride. The estimates of buffalo, elk, antelope, deer, sheep, and bear are based on actual counts, or very close observations, and are pretty nearly correct. Colonel Brett. Wild buffalo, 49. Moose, 550. Elk in summer, 35,000. Antelope, 500. Mountain sheep, 210. Mule deer, 400. White-tailed deer, 100. Grizzly bears, 50. Black bears, 100. Pumas, 100. Gray wolves, none. Coyotes, 400. Pelicans, 1,000. The actual count of 49 wild bison in the park, 10 of which are calves of 1912, will be to all friends of the bison a delightful surprise. Heretofore the little band had seemed to be stationary, which, if true, would soon mean a decline. The history of the wild game of the Yellowstone Park is blackened by two occurrences, and one existing fact. The fact is, the town of Gardner is situated on the northern boundary of the park, in the state of Montana. In Gardner there are a number of men, armed with rifles, who, toward game, have the gray wolf quality of mercy. The first stain is the massacre of the 270 wild bison for their heads and robes already noted. The second blot is the equally savage slaughter in the early winter of 1911 by some of the people of Gardner, reinforced by so-called sportsmen from other parts of the state, of all the park elk they could kill, bulls, cows, and calves, because a large band wandered across the line into the shambles of Gardner on Buffalo Flats. If the people of Gardner cannot refrain from slaughtering the game of the park, the very animals annually seen by 20,000 visitors to the park, then it is time for the American people to summon the town of Gardner before the bar of public opinion, to show cause why the town should not be wiped off the map. The 35,000 elk that summer in the park are compelled in winter to migrate to lower altitudes in order to find grass that is not under two feet of snow. In the winter of 1911 and 12, possibly 5,000 went south into Jackson Hole, and 3,000 went northward into Montana. The sheep grazing north of the park and the general settlement by ranchmen of Jackson Hole have deprived the elk herds of those regions of their natural food. For several years past, up to and including the winter of 1910 and 11, some thousands of weak and immature elk have perished in the Jackson Hole country from starvation and exposure. The ranchmen of that region have had terrible times in witnessing the sufferings of thousands of elk tamed by hunger and begging in piteous dumb show for the small and all too few haystacks of the ranchmen. The people of Jackson Hole, headed by S. N. Leek, the famous photographer and lecturer on those elk herds, have done all that they could do in the premises. The spirit manifested by them has been the exact reverse of that manifested in Gardner. 
to their everlasting credit they have kept domestic sheep out of the jackson valley by giving the owners of invading herds hours in which to get their sheep all out and over the western range in 1909 the state of wyoming spent in feeding starving elk five thousand dollars in 1911 the state of wyoming spent in feeding starving elk five thousand dollars in 1911 the united states government appropriated for feeding starving elk and exporting elk twenty thousand dollars in 1912 the campfire club of detroit gave for feeding hungry elk one hundred dollars in 1910 and 1911 about three thousand elk perished in jackson hole in 1911 and 12 mr leake's photographs of the elk herds showed an alarming absence of mature bulls indicating that now most of the breeding is done by immature males this means the sure deterioration of the species the prompt manner in which congress responded in the late winter of 1911 to a distress call in behalf of the starving elk is beyond all ordinary terms of praise it was magnificent in fear and trembling congress was asked through senator lodge to appropriate five thousand dollars congress and senator lodge made it twenty thousand dollars and for the first time the legislature of wyoming appealed for national aid to save the joint stock herds of wyoming and the yellowstone park glacier park montana in the wild and picturesque mountains of northwestern montana covering both sides of the great continental divide there is a region that has been splendidly furnished by the hand of nature it is a bewildering maze of thundering peaks plunging valleys evergreen forests glistening glaciers mirror lakes and roaring mountain streams its leading citizens are white mountain goats mountain sheep moose mule deer and white-tailed deer and among those present are black and grizzly bears galore commercially the one thousand four hundred square miles of glacier park even with its sixty glaciers and two hundred sixty lakes are worth exactly the price of its big trees and not a penny more for mining agriculture horticulture and stock raising it is a cipher as a transcendent pleasure ground and recreation wilderness for ninety millions of people it is worth ninety millions of dollars and not a penny less it is a pleasure park of which the greatest of the nations of the earth whichever that may be might well be overbearingly proud and its accessibility is almost unbelievable until seen this park is bounded on the south by the great northern railway on the east by the blackfoot indian reservation on the north by alberta and british columbia and on the west by the west fork of the flathead river horizontally it contains one thousand four hundred square miles but as the goat climbs its area is at least double that its valleys are filled and its lakes are encircled by grand forests of douglas fir hemlock spruce white pine cedar and larch and if ever they are destroyed by fire it will be a national calamity a century long so long as the american people keep out of the poorhouse let there be no lumber-cutting vandalism in that park, destroying the beauty of every acre of forest that is touched by axe or saw. The greatest beauty of those forests is the forest floor, which lumbering operations would utterly destroy. Never mind if there is ripe timber there. The American nation is not suffering for the dollars that those lovely forest giants would fetch by board measure. What if a tree does fall now and then from old age? We can stand the expense." If posterity a hundred years hence finds itself lumberless, and wishes to use those trees, then let posterity pay the price, and take them. We are not suffering for them, and our duty is to save them inviolate, and hand them down as a heritage that we proudly transmit unimpaired. The Friends of Wildlife are particularly interested in Glacier Park as a national game reservoir and refuge for wildlife. 
On the north in Alberta it is soon to be extended by Waterton Lakes Park. When I visited Glacier Park in 1909 with Frederick H. Kennard and Charles H. Conrad, I procured from three intelligent guides their best estimates of the amount of big game then in the park. The guides were Thomas H. Scott, Josiah Rogers, and Walter S. Gibb. They compared notes and finally agreed upon these figures. Elk, 200. Moose, 2,500. Mountain sheep, 700. Mountain goats, 10,500. Grizzly bears, 1,000 to 1,500. Black bears, 2,500 to 3,000. As previously stated, one of the surprising features of this new wonderland is its accessibility. The Great Northern lands you at Belton. A ride of three miles over a good road through a beautiful forest brings you to the foot of Lake MacDonald, and in one hour more by boat you are at the hotels at the head of the lake. At that point you are within three hours' horseback ride of Sperry Glacier, and the marvelous panorama that unrolls before you from the top of Lincoln Peak. At the foot of that peak we saw a big, wild white mountain goat, and another one watched us climb up to the Sperry Glacier. Mount Olympus National Monument for at least six years the advocates of the preservation of American wildlife and forests vainly desired that the grand mountain territory around Mount Olympus, in northwestern Washington, should be established as a national forest and game preserve. In addition to the preservation of the forest, it was greatly desired that the remnant bands of Olympic Wapiti, described as Servus Roosevelti, should be perpetuated. It now contains 1,975 specimens of that variety. In Congress, two determined efforts were made in behalf of the region referred to, but both were defeated by the enemies of forests and wildlife. In an auspicious moment, Dr. T. S. Palmer, Assistant Chief of the Biological Survey, Department of Agriculture, thought of a law under which it would be both proper and right to bring the desired preserve into existence. The law referred to expressly clothed the President of the United States with power to preserve any monumental feature of nature which it clearly is the duty of the state to preserve for all time from the hands of the spoilers. With the enthusiastic approval and assistance of Representative William E. Humphrey of Seattle, Dr. Palmer set in motion the machinery necessary to the carrying of the matter before the President in proper form, and kept it going, with the result that on March 2, 1909, President Roosevelt affixed his signature to the document that closed the circuit. Thus was created the Mount Olympus National Monument, preserving forever 608,640 acres of magnificent mountains, valleys, glaciers, streams, and forests, and all the wild creatures living therein and thereon. The people of the state of Washington have good reason to rejoice in the fact that their most highly prized scenic wonderland and the last survivors of the Wapiti in that state are now preserved for all coming time. At the same time, we congratulate Dr. Palmer on the brilliant success of his initiative." THE SUPERIOR NATIONAL GAME AND FOREST PRESERVE The people of Minnesota long desired that a certain great tract of wilderness in the extreme northern portion of that state, now well stocked with moose and deer, should be established as a game and forest preserve. Unfortunately, however, the national government could go no farther than to withdraw the lands and waters from entry, and declare it a forest reserve. At the right moment, some bright genius proposed that the national government should by executive order create a forest reserve and then that the legislature of Minnesota should pass an act providing that every national forest of that state should also be regarded as a state game preserve. Both these things were done, and almost as soon as said. Mr. Carlos Avery, the executive agent of the Board of Game and Fish Commissioners of Minnesota, is entitled to great credit for the action of his state, and we have to thank Mr. Gifford Pinchot and President Roosevelt 
for the executive action that represented the first half of the effort. The new superior preserve is valuable as a game and forest reserve, and nothing else. It is a wilderness of small lakes, marshes, creeks, hummocks of land, scrubby timber, and practically nothing of commercial value. But the wilderness contains many moose, and zoologically it is for all practical purposes a moose preserve. In it, in 1908, Mr. Avery saw 51 moose in three days, Mr. Fullerton saw 183 in nine days, and Mr. Fullerton estimated the total number of moose in Minnesota, as a whole, at 10,000 head. In area it contains 1,420,000 acres, and the creation of this great preserve was accomplished on April 13, 1909. THE WICHITA NATIONAL GAME PRESERVE In the Wichita Mountains of southwestern Oklahoma, there is a national game preserve containing 57,120 acres. On this preserve is a fenced bison range and a herd of 39 American bison, which owe their existence to the initiative of the New York Zoological Society. On March 25, 1905, the Society proposed to the national government the founding of a range and herd on a basis that was entirely new. To the society it seemed desirable that for the encouragement of Congress in the preservation of species that are threatened with extermination, the scientific corporations of America, and private individuals also, should do something more than to offer advice and exhortations to the government. Accordingly, the Zoological Society offered to present to the government, delivered on the ground in Oklahoma, a herd of fifteen pure-blood bison as the nucleus of a new national herd, provided Congress would furnish a satisfactory fenced range and maintain the herd. The offer was at once accepted by Honorable James Wilson, Secretary of Agriculture, and the Society was invited to propose a site for a range. The Society sent a representative to the Wichita National Forest Reserve, who recommended a range and made a report upon it, which the Society adopted. By act of Congress, the range was at once established and fenced. Its area is 12 square miles, 9,760 acres. In October 1908, the Zoological Society took from its herd in the Zoological Park nine female and six male bison and delivered them at the bison range. There were many predictions that all those bisons would die of Texas fever within one year, but the parties most interested persisted in trying conclusions with the famous tick of Texas. Mr. Frank Rush was appointed warden of the new National Bison Range, and his management has been so successful that only two of the bison died of the fever. The disease has been stamped out, and the herd now contains thirty-nine head. Within five years it should reach the one hundred mark. Elk, deer, and antelope have been placed in the range, and all save the antelope are doing well. The Wichita Bison Range is an unqualified success. The Montana National Bison Range the opening of the Flathead Indian Reservation to settlement in 1909 afforded a golden opportunity to locate in that region another national bison herd. Accordingly, in 1908, the American Bison Society formulated a plan by which the establishment of such a range and herd might be brought about. That plan was successfully carried into effect in 1909 and 10. The Bison Society proposed to the national government to donate a herd of at least 25 bison provided Congress would purchase a range, fence it, and maintain the herd. The offer was immediately accepted, and with commendable promptness, Congress appropriated $40,000 with which to purchase the range and fence it. The Bison Society examined various sites, and finally recommended what was regarded as an ideal location situated near Ravalli, Montana, north of the Jocko River and Northern Pacific Railway, 
and east of the Flathead River. The nearest stations are Ravalli and Dixon. The area of the range is about 29 square miles, 18,521 acres, and for the purpose that it is to serve it is beautiful and perfect beyond compare. In it the bison herd requires no winter feeding whatever. In 1910 the Bison Society raised by subscription a fund of $10,526, and with it purchased 37 very perfect pure-blood bison from the famous Conrad herd at Kalispell, 22 of which were females. One gift bison was added by Mr. and Mrs. Charles Goodnight, two were presented by the estate of Charles Conrad, and three were presented from the famous Corbin herd at Newport, New Hampshire, by the Blue Mountain Forest Association. Starting with that nucleus, of forty-three head, in 1910, the herd has already, in 1912, increased to eighty head. The herd came through the severe winter of 1911-1912, without having been fed any hay whatever, and the founders of it confidently expect to live to see it increase to one thousand head. The Grand Canyon National Game Preserve of northern Arizona embraces the entire Grand Canyon of the Colorado River, for a meandering distance of 101 miles, and adjacent territory to an extent of 2,333 square miles, 1,492,928 acres. Owing to certain conditions, natural and otherwise, it is not the finest place in the world for the peaceful increase of wild game. The canyon contains few mountain sheep and mule deer, but Buckskin Mountain on the northwestern side is reeking with mountain lions and gray wolves, and both those species should be shot out of the entire Grand Canyon National Forest. It was on buckskin and the western wall of the canyon itself that Buffalo Jones, Mr. Charles S. Byrd, and their party caught nine live mountain lions in 1909. I regret to say that Buffalo Jones's Catalo experiment on the Kebab Plateau seems to have met an untimely and disappointing fate. For three years the bison and domestic cattle crossed and produced a number of catalogues, but in 1911 practically the whole lot was wiped off the earth by cattle rustlers. Mr. Jones thinks that it was guerrillas from southern Utah who murdered his enterprise, partly for the reason that no other persons were within striking distance of the herd. Mount Rainier National Park This fine forest park is the great summer outing ground of the people of the state of Washington. Its area is 324 square miles, and as its name implies, it embraces Mount Rainier. Easily accessible from Seattle and Tacoma, and fairly well, though not adequately, provided with roads, trails, tent camps, hotels, and livery transportation, it is really the Yellowstone Park of the Northwest. The Yosemite National Park in California is so well known that no description of it is necessary. Its area is 1,124 square miles, 719,622 acres. Its great value lies in its scenery, but along with that it is a sanctuary for such of the wild animals and birds of California as will not wander beyond its borders to the certain death that awaits everything that may be legally killed in that state. Crater Lake National Park Like all the national parks of America generally, this one also is a game sanctuary. It is situated on the summit of the Cascade Mountains of Oregon. The wonderful Crater Lake itself is 62 miles from Kalmuth Falls, 83 miles from Ashland, and it is six miles long, four miles wide, and two hundred feet deep. This national park was created by Act of Congress in 1902. Its area is 249 square miles, 159,360 acres, and it contains Columbian black-tailed deer, black bear, the silver-gray squirrel, and many birds, chiefly members of the grouse family. 
owing to its lofty elevation, there are few ducks. The Sequoia and General Grant National Parks were created for the special purpose of preserving the famous groves of big trees, Sequoia giantea. The former is in Tulare County, the latter in Tulare and Fresno Counties, California, on the western slope of the Sierra Nevadas. The area of Sequoia Park is 169,605 acres, and that of General Grant Park is 2,560 acres. They are under the control of the Interior Department. These parks are important bird refuges, and Mr. Walter Fry, forest ranger, reports in them the presence of 261 species of birds, none of which may be hunted or shot. Into Sequoia Park, 20 dwarf elk and 84 wild turkeys have been introduced, the former from the herd of Miller and Lux. Other National Parks Sully Hills National Park at Devil's Lake, Fort Totten, North Dakota, area 960 acres. Platt National Park, Sulphur Springs, Oklahoma, on account of many mineral springs, area 848 acres. Mesa Verde National Park, southwestern Colorado, on account of cliff dwellings and wonderful cliff and canyon scenery, area 66 square miles. National Monuments Under a special act of Congress, the President of the United States has the power forever to set aside from private ownership and occupation any important natural scenery or curiosity or wonderland the preservation of which may fairly be regarded as of national importance, and a duty to the whole people of the United States. This is accomplished by presidential proclamation creating a national monument. Under the terms of this act, 28 national monuments have been created up to 1912, of which 17 are under the jurisdiction of the Department of the Interior, and 11 are managed by the Department of Agriculture. The full list is as follows. Alaska, Sitka, Arizona, Montezuma Castle, Petrified Forest, Tonto, Grand Canyon, Tumacacori, and Navajo. California, Lassen Peak, Cinder Cove, Muir Woods, Pinnacles, Devil's Postpile. Colorado, Wheeler, Colorado. Montana, Lewis and Clark Cavern, Big Hole Battlefield. New Mexico, El Moro, Chaco Canyon, Gila Cliff Dwellings, Grand Quivira. Oregon, Oregon Caves. South Dakota, Jewel Cave, Utah, Natural Bridges, Munkantuweep, and Rainbow Bridge, Washington, Mount Olympus, Wyoming, Devil's Tower, and Shoshone Cavern. The National Bird Refuges Says Dr. T.S. Palmer, National bird reservations have been established during the past ten years by executive order for the purpose of affording protection to important breeding colonies of water birds, or to furnish refuges for migratory species on their northern or southern flights or during winter. With few exceptions, these reservations are either small rocky islets or tracts of marshland of no agricultural value. These reservations are of immense value to bird life, and their creation represents the highest possible wisdom in utilizing otherwise valueless portions of the national domain. Dr. Palmer's alphabetical list of them is as follows, numbered in the order of their creation. Belforce, South Dakota, 34, Bering Sea, Alaska, 44, Bogoslav, Alaska, 51, Breton Island, Louisiana, 2, Bumping Lake, Washington, 39, Carlsbad, New Mexico, 31, Chase Lake, North Dakota, 20, Chelum, Washington, 38, Clear Lake, California, 52, Cold Springs, Oregon, 33, Conconuli, Washington, 40, Copalis Rock, Washington, 13, Calubra, Puerto Rico, 48, Deer Flat, 
Idaho, 29. East Park, California, 28. East Timhalier, Louisiana, 14. Farallon, California, 49. Flattery Rocks, Washington, 11. Forrester Island, Alaska, 53. Green Bay, Wisconsin, 56. Hawaiian Island, Hawaii, 26. Hazy Islands, Alaska, 54. Huron Islands, Michigan, 4. Indian Key, Florida, 7. Island Bay, Florida, 24. Kachess, Washington, 37. Kachellis, Washington, 36. Key West, Florida, 17. Klamath Lake, Oregon, 18. Loch Katrine, Wyoming, 25. Malheur Lake, Oregon, 19. Matlaka Pass, Florida, 23. Minidoka, Idaho, 43. Mosquito Inlet, Florida, 15. Niobrara, Nebraska, 55. Palmasola, Florida, 22. Passage Key, Florida, 6. Pathfinder, Wyoming, 41. Pelican Island, Florida, 1. Pine Island, Florida, 21. Pribilof, Alaska, 50. Quileute Noodles, Alaska, 12. Rio Grande, New Mexico, 32. St. Lazaria, Alaska, 46. Salt River, Arizona, 27. Shell Keys, Louisiana, 9. Shoshone, Wyoming, 42. Siskiwit, Michigan, 5. Strawberry Valley, Utah, 35. Stump Lake, North Dakota, 3. Turn Islands, Louisiana, 8. Three Arch Rocks, Oregon, 10. Tortugas Keys, Florida, 16. Tuxedney, Alaska, 45. Willow Creek, Montana, 30. Yukon Delta, Alaska, 47. In addition to the above, the following governmental reservations have been established for the protection of wildlife. Yes Bay, Alaska, of 35,200 acres. Afognuk Island, Alaska, 800 square miles. Midway Islands Naval Reservation, H.T., Farrelland Island, Point Reyes, and Anno Nuevo Island, California. Destruction Island, Washington, and Hawaiian Islands Reservation, Laysan. State Game Preserves in the United States. Pennsylvania. The proposition that every state, territory, and province in North America and everywhere else should establish a series of state forest and game preserves is fairly incontestable. As a business proposition, it is today no more a debatable question, or open to argument, than is the water supply or sewer system of a city. The only perfect way to conserve a water supply for a great human population is by acquiring title to watersheds, and either protecting the forests upon them, or planting forests in case none exist. In one important matter the state of Pennsylvania has been wide awake, and in advance of the times. I will cite her system of forest reserves and game preserves as a model plan for other states to follow, and I sincerely hope that by the time the members of the present State Game Commission have passed from the earth, the people of Pennsylvania will have learned the value of the work they are now doing, and at least give them the appreciation that is deserved by public-spirited citizens who do large things for the people without hope of material reward. At this moment, Commissioner John M. Phillips and Dr. Joseph Kalbfus are putting their heart's blood into the business of preserving and increasing the game and other wildlife of Pennsylvania, and the utter lack of appreciation that is now being shown in some quarters is really distressing. I refer particularly to the utterly misguided and mistaken body of hunters and anglers having headquarters at Harrisburg, whose members are grossly misled into a wrong position by a man who seeks to secure a salaried state position through the hostile organization which he has built up, apparently for his own use. In the belief that those members generally are misled and not mean-spirited, and that the organization contains a majority of conscientious sportsmen, I predict that ere long the evil genius of Pennsylvania game protection will be ordered to the rear, 
while the organization as a whole takes its place on the side of the Game Commission where it belongs. The game sanctuary scheme that Pennsylvania has developed is so new that as yet only a very small fraction of the people of that state either understand it or appreciate its far-reaching importance. To begin with, Pennsylvania has acquired up to date about one million acres of forest lands scattered through 26 of the 67 counties of the state. These great holdings are to be gradually increased. These wild lands, including many sterile mountain farms of no real value for agricultural purposes, have been acquired, first of all, for the purpose of conserving the water supply of the state, and they are called the State Forest Reserves. Next in order, the State Game Commission has created, in favorable localities in the forest reserves, five great game preserves. The plan is decidedly novel and original, but is very simple withal. In the center of a great tract of forest reserve, a specially desirable tract has been chosen, and its boundaries marked out by the stringing of a single heavy fence wire surrounding the entire selection. The area within that boundary wire is an absolute sanctuary for all wild creatures save those that prey upon game, and in it no man may hunt anything nor fire a gun. The boundary wire is by no means a fence, for it keeps nothing out nor in. Outside of the wire and the sanctuary, men may hunt in the open season, but at the wire every chase must end. If the hunted deer knows enough to flee to the sanctuary when attacked, so much the better for the deer. The tide of wildlife ebbs and flows under the wire, and beyond a doubt the deer and grouse will quickly find that within it lies absolute safety. There the breeding and rearing of young may go on undisturbed. In view of the fact that hunting may go on in the forest reserve areas surrounding these sanctuaries, no intelligent sportsman needs to be told that in a few years all such regions will be teeming with deer, grouse, and other game. Where there is one deer today, there will be twenty ten years hence, because the law of Pennsylvania forbids the killing of does, and then there will be twenty times the legitimate hunting that there is today. For example, the Clinton County Game Preserve of 3,200 acres is surrounded by 120,000 acres of forest reserve, which form legitimate hunting grounds for the game bred in the sanctuary reservoir. In Clearfield County, the game sanctuary is surrounded by 47,000 acres of forest reserve. The game preserves created in Pennsylvania up to date are as follows. In Clinton County, 3,200 acres. In Clearfield County, 3,200 acres. In Franklin County, 3,200 acres. In Perry County, 3,200 acres. In Westmoreland County, 2,500 acres. It is the deliberate intention of the Game Commission to increase these game preserves until there is at least one in each county. It is the policy of the Commission to clear out of the game sanctuaries all the mammals and birds that destroy wildlife, such as foxes, mink, weasels, skunks, and destructive hawks and owls. This is accomplished partly by buying old horses, killing them in the preserves, and poisoning them thoroughly with strychnine. Each preserve now contains a nucleus herd of white-tailed deer, some of them imported from northern Michigan. Ruffed grouse are breeding rapidly, and in the Clearfield County Reserve there are said to be at least 3,000. The Game Commission considers it a patriotic duty to preserve the wild turkey, ruffed grouse, and quail, rather than have those species replaced at great expense by species imported from the Old World. In their work for the protection, preservation, and increase of the game of Pennsylvania, partly for the purpose of providing legitimate hunting for the mechanic as well as the millionaire, the state game commissioners are putting a great amount of thought and labor, and wherever their efforts are criticized, their motives impugned, 
or their honesty questioned by men who are not worthy to unlace their shoes, it makes me tired and angry. New York. The Adirondack State Park. With wise and commendable forethought, the state of New York has preserved in the Adirondack wilderness, familiarly known as the North Woods, a magnificent forest domain forever dedicated to campers, outdoorsmen, and hunters. At present, 1912, it contains 2,031 square miles, 1,300,000 acres, of forest-clad hills, valleys, and mountains, adorned by countless lakes and streams. By some persons it has been believed that in the state's forests, the cutting and sale of large trees would be justifiable business, and agreeable to the public, but it has been demonstrated that this is not the case. The people of the state firmly object to the havoc that is unavoidably wrought by logging operations in beautiful forests. The state does not yet need any of the money that could be derived from such operations. The chief anxiety of the public is that hereafter forest fires shall be prevented, no matter what fire protection may cost. The burning of coal on any railway operated through the Adirondacks should be made a penal offense. Montana In 1911, Governor Norris, Senator Cohn, and the legislature of Montana, at the solicitation of W. R. Felton, L. A. Huffman, and others, created the Snow Creek Game Preserve, fronting for ten miles on the Missouri River, in the northern side of Dawson County. It is a magnificent tract of badlands, very deeply eroded and carved, and highly picturesque. The new state preserve contains 96 square miles, but there is so little grazing ground for antelope and bison, it is absolutely imperative that a narrow strip of level grassland should be added along the southern border. This proposed addition is being fiercely resisted by an organized movement of the sheep owners of Montana, the National Wool Growers Association, who naturally want the public domain for the free grazing of their tariff-protected sheep herds. It remains to be seen whether the three sheepmen south of the preserve the only men who are really affected, will be able to thwart a movement that has for its object the development of a very good game preserve for the benefit of the ninety millions of the general American public. The range is necessary to contain representatives of the big game of the plains that has been so ruthlessly swept away, and particularly the vanishing pronghorned antelope, once very numerous in that region. In order to relieve the sheepmen of all trouble on account of that preserve, the area should be enlarged to the right dimensions and made a national preserve. A bill for that purpose, Senate 5,286, is now before the Senate in Senator McLean's committee, and help is needed to overcome the active hostility of the sheepmen, who vow that it never shall be passed. All persons who read this are invited to take this matter up with their senators and representatives without a moment's delay. Wyoming. The Teton State Preserve. One of the largest and most important state game preserves thus far established by any of our states is that which was created by Wyoming in 1904. It is situated along the south of and fully adjoining the Yellowstone Park, and its area is 900 square miles, 576,000 acres. Its special purpose is to supplement for the elk herds and other big game the protection from killing that previously had been found in the Yellowstone Park alone. The state preserve is an admirable halfway house for the migrating herds when they leave the National Park to seek their regular winter ranges in and around the Jackson Valley. In 1909, Wyoming established the Bighorn Game Preserve in the mountain range of that name. Into it, 25 elk were taken from Jackson Hole and set free, in 1910, at the expense of the Sheridan County Sportsman's Club. Louisiana. Great developments for the preservation of wildlife have recently been witnessed in Louisiana. 
all due to the initiative and persistent activities of two men, Edward A. McIlhenny of Avery Island, Louisiana, and Charles Willis Ward of Michigan, lumberman and horticulturalist. The Louisiana State Wildfowl Refuge on Vermilion Bay has an area of 13,000 acres. It was presented to the state by Messrs. Ward and McIlhenny, and formally accepted and protected. It contains a great area of freshwater ponds and marshy meadows, wherein grows an abundant supply of food for wild fowl. It contains several miles of gravel beach, which during the winter season is visited by thousands of wild geese in quest of their indispensable supply of gravel. The ponds within its borders furnish feeding grounds for canvasback ducks, redhead, mallard, blackhead, and various species of wild geese. Other State Game Preserves Idaho, Payette River Game Preserve, 230,000 acres. California, Pinnacles Game Preserve, 2,080 acres. Wyoming, Bighorn Mountains Game Preserve. Montana, Yellowstone Game Preserve, Pryor Mountain Game Preserve. End of chapter 36